0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com/slash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. Yes, you guys doing all right? Did you guys have a good week? Man, my week was crazy. I hope you had a good week. Hey, how many of you guys have been uh, have enjoyed our Don't Waste Your Life series? Wow. Not many people. <laughs> we got to start rethinking our series. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I think it was incredible, man. I Man, especially the sermons about bitterness, worry, uh man, those messages that Mike has been bringing have been powerful. And, you know, I always got to plug the uh, the podcast. If you haven't caught the podcast, definitely go back and listen to them. I was talking to somebody here at the church recently. They they listen to the the Don't Waste Your Life sermon about uh, worry like four times. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to listen to it four times for it to stick. So I can understand that. Uh, my name is Joel Libermento. I'm part of the Dream Team here at the River Church. Uh, Pastor Michael and Pastor Katie, can I say that? Uh yeah. They, it is their anniversary. So give them a round of applause. Yes, yes. Anniversary weekend. So uh, we wanted to give them a little breather, you know, let them just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy. And so I'm going to bring uh, just a uh, message this morning. Uh, I, first, I want to open with just kind of like a confession. All right. And some of you are going to be like, yeah, you're never going to be able to come over to visit my house or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I uh, haven't always been the biggest fan of Christmas. And, uh, oh man. And I know you're thinking like, why is this, why is this guy talking about Christmas? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. And I'm like, yeah, if Walmart and Target can do it, I can do it. Uh, yeah, I haven't always been the biggest fan of Christmas. Let me just, can I just list out some of the reasons why? One, I don't like to be cold. I'm a tropical person. All right. So when the, when the, when the cold gets to my bones, I'm just frozen. I don't like the cold. Uh, there's just, there's a bunch of other things I'm not going to get into serious details, but the whole St. Nicholas conspiracy, uh, wrecked me as a child. Uh, and so, yeah, it caused some serious distrust of adults everywhere globally. Uh, so that was an issue for me. Um, the gift pressure, like you got to find the perfect gift, man, that is stressful, man. That's tough. Not only that, if you're like me, I'm the, I'm the worst gift receiver. Like, you give me a gift, and my, my reaction is never good. It, you know, some people, you give them a gift, they're like, oh, thank you, I've been wanting this. And I get a gift, I'm like, thank you, this is awesome. And they're like, nah, I don't think he liked it. <laughs> like, the pressure of the gift-giving situation, the decorations, I'm like, I'm like, why don't we put up decorations? We just got to take them down. Uh, and then I got married. And uh, I married, some would say, the queen of Christmas. Yes. The queen of Christmas. Uh, let me tell you why. All right. And I love her for this. She loves Christmas. My wife, Katie, uh, she's planning in February, uh, the gifts, the perfect gift. She's trying to find the perfect gift for every family member. Um, she doesn't like to tell to like for you to tell her what gift you want. She wants to figure it out herself. So she's got a list in her phone. She's making a list. If you, if you say something, oh, she's writing it down. This girl has got spreadsheets and a gift tree. Like, okay, so like, literally she drew out a map of the, of the tree, the family members, the kids, and gifts are going in. She loves Christmas, all right? She's the one that when we go into a store and if it smells like Christmas, I look at her and she's got these puppy dog, like, tears in her eyes. <laughs> I love Christmas. Like, she loves Christmas. The trees, the decorations, it's everything. Well, a Christmas miracle happened last year in my life. Last year, my son, you know, my son was born. We had him for the first time during Christmas and I was sitting at home and, you know, having lived with Katie, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's been awesome. And then uh, having Manny, I was sitting in front of the TV and a, T- a Christmas commercial came on and somebody was knocking the snow off their boots and they walked into this warm house and I received the joy of Christmas. In that moment, Uh, Christmas was, that was it. That was the moment I received joy of Christmas. And after that, I told Katie, I went home and I told her that experience. And she was like, so excited because I had been, I've been kind of a Grinch, but that's that that last year, my heart grew, you know, like three sizes too big. And, uh, and so anyway, I told her she was so happy. And uh, I was like, I'm all in for Christmas. And a part of that came from seeing someone love something so much. Sometimes you got to see somebody love something so much before you love it yourself. So this morning I want to talk about Jesus obviously cuz we're in the church, but uh Jesus there's something that Jesus loves passionately. Loves something incredibly. Uh and he's passionate about it. And if I were to say in this room I want you to raise your hand all of those uh, all of you who love Jesus, uh pretty much all the hands would go up in the room. And it would only make sense that if Jesus loves something so passionately that we ought to love what he loves so passionately, right? Like, you, you, you vibing with what I'm saying? And, uh, and that thing this morning is the church. Now, I know when I said that, because if you're like me, and I said, uh, the thing Jesus loves so much, passionately even, and I intentionally use the word passion because they say that his death on the cross was the passion of Christ uh, he he loves the church so passionately. And I said the word church, man, there were all kinds of ideas that went through your head. Like when, if someone, when people say church, a lot of times we think of like church buildings, right? Steeples. Uh, we think of large, elaborate, beautiful stained glass windows. If you're like me, you, you think of, uh, yeah, this is throwback for some of you guys. Uh, you think of Wrigley spearmint gum. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, I don't get it, man. It's like back in the day, your grandma passed you a stick of gum. Classic. Uh, that's just me. A lot of people equate church with grandparents because they think that it's a place where their grandparents, a lot of us have praying grandparents, and so they go there. I mean, there's just so many ideas that can go in your head, like hymnal, pews. Some of us, the church has been a place of hurt. We've been hurt by the church. And so when I said church, some of you are like, oh, cringe even. Some of us, we look at the church as an organization. There's so many different ideas that come to mind when we say church. And so when I say Jesus loves the church passionately, uh, our our preconceived and our ideas about what the church looks like sometimes limits us and keeps us from loving what Jesus loves. But here's how much Jesus loves The church. I want to pull up a scripture. Ephesians. 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 There's not even a V in there. Ephesians 5:25. All right. A lot of people think this is a marriage text. All right, Um, but there it is a marriage text. But there's some insight into God's heart uh, in this passage. Ephesians 5:25 says this: Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. So what did Jesus do? He gave His life up. For the church. He gave his life for the church. He was so passionate about the church that he gave his life. Yes, he gave his life for everyone so that you might experience Christ in a transforming, powerful way, and that you might become part of the church. Here at the River Church, uh, if you're new here, we we offer a membership class, um, and we, we encourage everyone to become a member of the River Um, And it's awesome. It's like a, it's like a three or four part series where you go in and you learn about yourself. You learn uh, so much about our church and it's awesome. And so there's an idea of becoming a member of a church. And, uh, and so there's, there's that aspect to membership. Um, but there's something interesting about the term member. A lot of times in the church, we look at member as like, okay, I'm a member of a club or an organization or something like that. Uh, but us at the River Church, it, it kind of has a dual meaning. Uh, there's actually a biblical, a deeper uh, biblical meaning for the word member. Um, I'm going to get really heady real quick, okay? The scripture says this, that Jesus, they call it Jesus the incarnation, right? He, God incarnate, right? Jesus came to the earth. He was fully God and became man. All right? So if Jesus is the incarnation of God, scripture says that the church is the incarnation of Jesus. Alright, so when we talk about the idea of member, there's a bit there's a deep biblical meaning that's not not just like a member of a club or an organization, it actually means physical member, like an arm, like a leg, like a finger, an ear, an eye. Alright, so when the scripture's talking about becoming a member of the church, there's like this beautiful picture. That's why I love the Bible. It's because situations like this, like you got this one idea in your head. Sometimes you got to have a text or somebody to help you get out of what you think or where you are to help you see a different perspective. And the Bible's doing that. He's saying, like, I know you think that member may mean this, but let me redefine it for you. And he says, the scripture says, the member, if you are a member of the church, you're like an arm, a leg, a finger. All right? I know this is getting weird. I know you're probably like, "Oh, who spooky? Halloween." No. Listen, th- I'm not making this up, all right? This is this is scripture. All right? And so, uh before we get into the passage where I'm going to explain it, it I know it's a strange concept. I I had a uh, co-worker who was an atheist and we sat side by side and she told me one day. She said, "I don't like I don't believe in organized religion." And uh I just told her, "I I'm never this quick but I just said, well, you're in luck because Christianity isn't an organization, it's an organism. Whew, she looked at me sideways. She was like, what the heck are you talking about? She thought I was crazy, for real. She thought I was crazy. Uh, let, let's get into some scripture real quick. Uh, I'm going to read Colossians 1, 15 through 18. I love this text. It says, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Yes. So in that text, you see that the scripture here is saying, all right, that he is the head of the church, the head of the body, the church, all right? So this idea and concept of a physical body is something you find in scripture over and over again. And Jesus is the, the head, all right? The, the head controls everything, right? And so he is the head and he calls the body the church. Let's go into a new text. Let's go into 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 27 just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I love that. Are indispensable. I, it reminds me of something my boss, I worked for a guy named James Robinson. He always says this. He says, some of the most valuable and integral parts of the body are the ones that aren't seen. And I love that, like your heart. And inside the church and inside the body, sometimes the most valuable people in a a church body of believers are the ones that are behind the scenes. Amen. On the contrary, let me see, where did I leave off, 23? All right. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Yeah. So now we got light bulbs going off because we're beginning to understand that this idea of the church is not necessarily all those ideas we think. The buildings, the stained glass, the Wrigley spearmint gum. It's not all that stuff, all right? We're beginning to see that God is defining the church as a group of people, a body, and everyone has different parts, and you are a part of the church. I'm probably going to butcher this, but I heard, uh, I heard someone talk about this. Uh, it was in one of N.T. Wright's books and he said that the temple was a place where heaven met earth. And when Jesus arrived on the earth, all of a sudden heaven met earth. And then when Jesus left, it was now the church, the church, the gathering is where heaven met earth. And, uh, and I just thought, I felt like that was beautiful because you are the church. We are the church. I had a friend that I grew up with. His name's Callan Bacon. And, uh, and anyway, I grew up in a community where, uh, man, the church was in this like ice warehouse behind a gas station. So like I always kind of grow up like, yeah, the church is obviously the people because this place is rough. And, uh, <laughs> and we're look, we're in a movie theater. Uh, so yeah. And so anyway, uh, man, my buddy would always say if we were like, hey, where are you going? Going to the church? He's like, we are the church. Uh, hey, we're going to. The, where are you doing Sunday? Going to church? We are the church. Like he would always snap on you. We are the church. And we'd always get so frustrated be like, okay, dude, we get it. But I always liked that. I, I kinda liked it because it was like retraining my mind to help me understand that the biblical concept of the church is not the building. It's not going to church on going to church on Sunday. It's that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And I, I remember the early days of the river. Right? We would we, we'd be going and we're like, Yeah, we're church planners. We planted a church in Fort Worth. Well, where is it? Uh where's the building we're like oh no we are the church like where where is it at where, where's your church at no you don't understand we are the church like we <laughs> we meet in a movie theater but that's not the church like we are the church and so sometimes it's it's hard it's an organism the church is alive amen the church is alive like if we are the church the church is alive the body of Christ is moving in the earth acting like Christ in the earth okay and so uh, I always love this passage, Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. And we as the church are alive and moving, all right, and, and doing the will of God in the earth. And I love it. I, I talked to a missionary, and this is a bunch of stories. I got a lot of stories uh, for you guys. I talked to a missionary recently from Mozambique, and, uh, and he was talking about the former president of Mozambique. And he said, uh, "He this foreign president said in four years the church will be gone. Uh, the like churches all across Mozambique will be gone. And so he made it his mission to destroy and shut down all these churches. Well, uh, it was only like four or five. I think uh, I think he said like six years later he died, and the church was still alive. You can get rid of the buildings. You can shut everything down, but there, but you can't get rid of the church because the church is alive. We are the church." you could take everybody in this room. We could go to the parking lot. We're still going to be the church. doesn't mean this movie theater isn't the church. You know what I'm saying? So now we begin to understand the church is alive. It is an organism. It is something incredible. Um, so I want to kind of differentiate. Uh, if you're taking notes, I'm going to start differentiating between two things. I want to talk about the universal church and the local church. All right let's talk about the universal church. So when people talk about the church, the organism, the body of believers, uh, we kind of have, there's like two conversations that we often have. One is about the universal church. The church is huge. Like we're in this building right now and we're all sitting together, but the church is massive. All right. On a huge, huge scale. Uh, my uncle, his name's Corky Alexander. Uh, he is a minister to Native Americans, uh, in the U S and, uh, and he is, uh, he's awesome because he, he doesn't go and try to change the Native American community. He sits down and listens and learns from them. And, and so anyway, one of the things, he had the opportunity to get on TBN. And he got on TBN and they asked him, they said, hey, we hear about this. What is something that you want to talk, say to the Native American community that might be watching this show? He said something deep, super profound. He, said, he looked at the camera and he said, I want you to know that Jesus walks the dark hills. Man, that hit me. Because if if the church is Jesus in the earth, yeah, Jesus is in some of the darkest places on this planet. Man, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. I, I went to Guatemala one time and I got to serve uh, people in, the, in this dump. They were living in this dump, right? I was hugging people that had leprosy and bugs all over them. And I remember talking to the missionary. You probably heard me tell the story before. And he was just like, I said, how many of these are Christians? They're all Christians. It didn't matter what they had. They had this joy in them. They were content where they are because they had Jesus. Yes, they are the body of Christ. In that dump in Guatemala, we have brothers and sisters who Christ has empowered and changed in such a way that they are a part of us. They are a part of us. that was, uh, that was years ago that I experienced that. I just remember, uh, last, that was a week before last. Um, I got to listen to some missionaries from the Ukraine and they brought their two daughters to the place that I work. I work at a, like a missions organization. That's why I'm talking to all these missionaries. Uh, Just a little plug there. Um, But anyway, so these Ukrainian missionaries came and they brought their two daughters. Two daughters are Ukrainian. The couple's from California. They moved to the Ukraine. They found these two girls that were sisters. They found them in a cellar of an abandoned house way out in the ice-cold wilderness of the Ukraine. And the government found them. The police department found them, brought them to them and said, hey, take care of these kids. We're going to come back. They never came back. So the couple adopted them as their children and began to teach them about the love of Jesus. And they became Christians. They run an orphanage now uh, where they have 300 plus orphans and that they're teaching them about Jesus. And I just felt like, yes, even God is in the cold wilderness. Jesus is in the cold wilderness in the Ukraine, uh, in the dark places of the world. And then I got to speak with some missionaries from Kosovo. who I don't even know anything about Kosovo. And they, were, they were missionaries in Kosovo, and they were saying that the church is alive there. It is growing, um, and, and the crazy thing is it's a violent place. They said that it is riddled with massacre and uh, Muslim extremism there, and they said that it's, it's a very dangerous place to live. They had uh, several people on their worship team were killed in the streets, and so they were crying talking about it, and they said that, they, that the church is alive there. They said they got to meet the first Christian ever in Kosovo, You know how old he was? He was 45. They said that was the first Christian in Kosovo. So you can't tell me that the church is dead or that this is a place for your grandparents or that this is something else other than uh, a living organism that is moving and growing and that Jesus is setting people free on a global scale. Okay, so when you come in here and you give your life to Jesus and you say, I am a Christ follower, you are are a part of something huge. All right, you're not part of just something, something cute that you do on Sundays. You're a part of something huge. That is the universal church. Let's talk about the local church for a minute, because this is where people get really hung up. The local church, okay? And I've had this conversation so many times, and people have this hang up in DFW mainly, because this is what we call Six Flags Over Jesus, uh, Disney World of Churches, okay? People get so upset, because they're like, oh, there's churches on every corner. I'm like, thank God, I bet Kosovo is praying that there would be churches on every corner. If you took the population of DFW and you put them in church on Sunday, there wouldn't be enough churches in DFW. You understand what I'm saying? And so people get all upset. Man, there's churches everywhere. And I'm like, yes, the church is alive. And thank God. If Paul was alive today, he'd be writing letters to the church, the River Church, to Watermark Church, to Gateway Church, to Compass, to Milestone. He'd be writing letters to these churches. The local churches by design, if you look at the New Testament, almost the entire New Testament are letters to local churches. Paul is writing letters to local churches. He spent most of his life traveling and visiting and encouraging local churches. All right, so this whole competitive, you're not going to come to the river and find competition. We're not competing against other churches in DFW. That's not who we are. We have a bigger view of the body of Christ. Okay. If anything, we want to connect and we want to do some big things in DFW. Okay. The church, the local church is here by design. And, uh, and I love that. That's why, that's why we, we launched this church. We believed in the body of Christ. Uh, and, and that's what it is. So if Jesus gave his life for the church both universal and local, how do I give my life for it? All right, so if I'm, if I'm telling you, and you read in scripture, Jesus gave his life for the church. And when we say the church, we're talking universal and local. All right, how do I give my life to the church? Because that's just the natural question. Like Jesus loves it so much, he's gonna die for it. What can I do? What, what, is, my, what is my response? I wanna, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you can write this down. If you want to be, if you want to give your life to the universal church, the first thing you have to do is give your life to Jesus. You have to say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you to be the Lord of my life by faith through grace, uh, by grace through faith, I got that backwards. You give your life to Christ and you follow him. You invite him to be a part of your life. Man, that's hard for Americans. That's hard for Americans. Our country was founded on independence. So for us to be dependent on a living God, that's tough. Lord, forgive us of our pride. But if you want to be a part of the universal, something that's huge, something that's bigger than you and is doing incredible things in our world, you first have to give your life to Christ. And that's uh, and that's just that's the bottom line. If you want to be a part of the local church, the Bible is really awesome because there are some things the Bible doesn't talk about, you know. Like there's things you, you've got to like, you've got to really work on in your mind. There's some things that the Bible is just plain about. And so if you want to be a part of the local church, you want to give your life to the local church, Here are some practical ways you can do that. You guys ready? It's in scripture. Let's read. Let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. I always heard if you want to know the truth about something, you go to the original. And so if, if this was the first church, the early church, it just makes sense that we go back to the original. Acts two forty two through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, you know what I think of when I see this passage and I'm going, God, I want to give my life to the local church. I get excited because I'm thinking about the River Church and who we are. And I look through that list and I feel like we're doing almost everything on that list. Like, look at this list. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. uh, yeah we don't have the apostles here, you know, like the ones that were with Jesus, but the teaching that we read in the, in the scripture, Mike is preaching on every Sunday, we are devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, right uh it says the fellowship man we're ha- we're here, aren't we? we're fellowship, we're hanging out, the breaking of bread, Mike has been preaching on communion, man, we had communion recently. it was awesome, and a prayer, we're praying, we're always praying. everyone was filled with all the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Man, we don't again, we don't have the apostles here, but it doesn't take long for you to be here at the River Church and know that there have been some miracles happening in people's lives. And it's happening here. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. We don't have any property as a church. Uh I don't have any property to sell. Uh I'm renting. Uh so so that I don't know. We haven't I okay, we haven't hit that one yet. All right. But uh some of you may have property and you want to sell. Let's talk. Um, But uh, it says, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So we meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. We have community groups. We're in each other's homes every week eating together and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, that, that last part is one of the reasons I believe. That we are so much like the early church because I was here from the jump and there were like three of us, four of us maybe. And I'm looking in this room and we have a gang of people here. God is growing the church. The church is growing. And yes, the local church. How do you give yourself to the local church? Do these things. These things. It's like a blueprint for us, it's a blueprint for you. You want to know how to give your life to the local church? Do these things. And I, man. Okay, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to move on. Uh, I want you to repeat after me. I need the church, and the church needs me. I don't need the church. Okay, okay. Man, we just read. We just read in 1 Corinthians. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable are the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, are treated with special modesty. You're over here saying, "I don't need the church, man. I need the church." You, I'm going to be completely transparent with you. I would not have be I would not be the person or in the place that I am today without the church. Okay. Uh, my parents raised me by going to church and I, listen, I lie, we, we joke around. I was a drug baby. They drug me to church every Sunday. I was there every Sunday when the doors were open. And my parents taught me a lesson and they said, this is the place where you can find help, lo- love, and hope. And so you, you tell me that I don't, I need the church. I, I almost think this is okay. I, I help, I'm a part of the River Church for selfish reasons. I need this. I was a part of, I joined the team because I said, I want to build something, a community, and and I know I need it. And I almost feel like God's okay. Like, okay, well, you saying that's selfish, you know, that's good. But I'm just saying, like, I need this place. I need this place. I had a rough week last week, and there have been, there were some people in this place that I wouldn't even know because of the local church, uh, who spoke into my life and helped me get through this week. I'm just telling you, I need this place. And I can't, I I just thank God because God kept me from a lot of scars and a lot of things in my life because I, I was a part of the church and I've been a part of the church and I've submitted myself a part of the church. Man, if it wasn't for those teenage years, oh Lord, have mercy. If it wasn't for the teaching I was hearing every week, you know, about submitting to God, wanting to honor him. Uh, You know, man, when I was offered weed and I decided to go do all this stuff, stuff was presented to me, I wouldn't have been able to resist it had I not had that experience. I need the church. I need the church. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I won't need it. And I'm just admitting that to you. I think sometimes it's hard for us to admit it. We just look at church as an extracurricular activity. Uh, getting with the body is something that we just have to do obligated or something. I need it. I need it. I need it. And so I, I'm trying to encourage you and help you understand. You need the church. And the passage that we just read is is awesome because at the very end of it says, "If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it." If you think you don't need the church, you need somebody who's going to suffer with you. You need somebody who's going to rejoice with you. Man, being alone is terrible. It is terrible out there struggling. It's terrible. If we were to ask. I've heard stories about the River Church that people were saying, like, when I started coming here and became a part of the body, not the building, not the stained glass, because we have so much of that beautiful stained glass around. I'm not talking about that. When I became a part of the River Church, the community, people were saying, my friendships needed it. My marriage needed it. I needed it. And there have been stories of God transforming people here. And no, not any one local church is perfect. I've, I've been in a bunch of different local churches throughout my life. Not anyone's perfect. And you may be hurt, okay? There may be times that you experience hurt in the church because we're human fallen people. And I'm telling you, apart from that, you're gonna experience so many more miracles and there's healing. You were created for community. And I wrote down here, isolation causes you to lose your mind. <laughs> Man, if you're honest, you face the most temptation when you're by yourself when you're alone. And that's just facts. That's facts. And I don't know why this just came to my head. Man, when you lose your mind, I'm thinking of pop stars and famous people. They get so isolated because of their fame and they lose their mind. MJ, I grew up loving Michael Jackson. And then like he got isolated because of his fame and he started to lose his mind. I'm just saying like you lose your mind, right? Tom Hanks and the, the volleyball, Joker lost his mind. I'm just saying like you get isolated and by yourself you lose it. You need people. I was, a, I was a kid and I went on a field trip and uh, I went to this place called DeSoto Caverns. Uh, it's in Alabama. Uh, and so we went to DeSoto Caverns and they were telling the story about deserters from the Civil War. They ran up in these caverns, right? Because they were trying to get away. And they get up in there with their lanterns and their lanterns, now they're stuck way back in the, in the dark they can't find their way out. They said they they literally day and night, they're trying to find their way out. They're screaming, yelling, hey, can anybody hear me? And they're hitting their heads on the stalactites and the stalagmites. And if you've been in a cavern, that's real. That's real. I've been I've been in one. Uh, And then jokers are hanging down and stuff. So like literally, if if you can't see, you are hitting your head on stalagmites. All right. And a lot of us have stalagmites and stalactites in our life. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I hit some this week. And if I didn't have the church or someone, the light of the church or someone to help me out, I was by myself. Yeah. I would have lost my mind this week. Just facts. All right. And that's, that's just real. I think that's anybody. All right. You try to live life in the dark. You try to live your life isolated by yourself. uh, You're going to hit them stalactites and it's going to be rough. All right. Yeah. My illustrations are awesome. (laughs) Not really. Uh, so the first part, we said, I need the church, but the church needs you. The church needs you. And this is the part, we, we're we all so insecure that we just have a hard time believing that. Like I'm telling you, the church you. Let's go back to that Corinthians verse. If you won't hear it from me, listen to it from the scriptures, the Holy Writ, okay? It says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. (sighs) If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And so on and so forth. Here's why you, uh, why the church needs you. Because God has transformed you and given you unique gifts and abilities that no one else has. Nobody else has what you have. There's not another you on this planet. So when you're a part of the church, listen, you have a sphere of influence. You have people around you that you only you're going to be able to reach. Me and Katie talk about this all the time because we are the opposite in personality. She's introverted. I'm extroverted. All right. Like maximum extroversion. And we're and we're the opposite. And there are people that Katie can speak into their life. And I just can't. They won't hear me because they're just overwhelmed by me. And that makes sense. And the same, you know, vice versa. And there are people that only you can speak life into. And there are people out there who are part of the church but by themselves they're not in here and they're not they're not benefiting uh from what God is doing and how he's using the church. You'll be able to or you'll be able to speak into the lives of people in this church in a way nobody else can. Not just outside but even in here. There are people in here in every church that are struggling and going through things. And it might be you. You might be the blessing that they need. You might be the one that they need to hear from. That's why the church needs you. You will be able to love people, uh, love people that no one else can love. Mark Batterson, in his new book uh, Whisper, he says, "When I wake up in the morning, God reminds, uh, or no, excuse me, when he wakes up in in the morning, God reminds him that he might be the answer to someone's prayer today." What if we lived like that? What if we woke up believing in who God made us to be, and we said, "I might be." Uh, and answer the prayer today. That's why the church needs you. That's why the church needs you. We, in deeper, we take a spiritual gifts test so that you might discover what your spiritual gift is. Because sometimes we don't even know. We're like, okay, you say how oh, I got gifts, but what are they? I don't even know what they are. That's why we take it in there so that you might be able to be awakened to how God made you and be able to know how you might be able to help someone. So this is where your life uh, for the church, like life, excuse me, This is where it comes into play. I'm just going to talk from, this is me speaking here, okay? Uh, I, my wife and I, we've given ourselves to the church, and partly because we believe in it. I believe what the scripture says, and I believe that the, the local church and the church universal is the hope of the world. We are the body. We are Christ's body in the earth, and we are walking around. We are serving and loving people and changing the planet and changing people's lives by living in that body, a part of that body. I wake my wife and son up on Sunday mornings uh, every Sunday, and we come in here, and we serve alongside so many other people. And And the crazy thing about it, and this is just how my mind works You know, there are times when you serve in a community like this, and a lot of you on the dream team are going to understand this. You serve, and doubt becomes in your mind, and bitterness comes into your mind, and you might get tired, you know, And, and this is me. I'm not putting this on you. I'm saying this is how God speaks to me. I just remind myself that God gave his life, and literally, this is how my mind works. I'm like, if God gave his life, I can lay another wire in here. I can invite another person over to my house. I can make some coffee for somebody. I can go to my community group. And this is like a real conversation going on in my head, okay? Because if Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for it, yeah, I can do a little more. And the crazy thing is, is I've had people tell me, like, we go home on Sundays and we have family nap time because we're exhausted. And we have family nap time. We try to crawl into bed, all three of us, and we're just trying to sleep. And uh, Manny's, like, kicking me in my neck and stuff. He's one. And uh and so anyway, like we have family in that time, people are like, Why are you so tired? You need to chill out. Like you need to back up. And like they don't understand. Like, they don't understand that the soul knows a glory that the body cannot rob. And what I'm saying is I may be exhausted. Things may be difficult. I may have bitterness and doubt, but when I remind myself that Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for it, man, my soul's on fire. I could be exhausted, but my soul's on fire. All right. And I, I just feel like, man, again, I'm not putting that on you, but I'm just saying that's how my mind works. That's how I can, that's how I can get closer to God and experience him. And I just feel like many times I feel like our love for the church is based on how we feel and not what he did. And, uh, and man, I felt, I felt, I have felt convicted of that. If I am the body of Christ, if I am saying I am a part of who Jesus is in the earth and I am, I give my life to bitterness and doubt and I struggle and all of those things, I'm not really, I'm not really living out what God wants. And I just have to remind myself of what he did. And I just feel like, again, this is me, and I'm going to close here in a minute. But uh, at the end of my life, and when, we're, when I die, when I'm, we're at my funeral, I just want my son to be able to get up in front of everyone and say, you know what, my dad loved what Jesus loved. My dad loved the church. I feel like, I feel like, well, let me just continue. In conclusion. I want to read an excerpt from a book uh, that I like. And this, this thing, this excerpt has haunted me. I want to read it so that it can haunt you before Halloween. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A guy named Donald Miller uh, from a book called Blue Like Jazz. And this is just the opener of the book, man. This book is fire. He said, I never liked jazz music because jazz music doesn't resolve. But I was outside the Baghdad Theater in Portland one night when I saw a man playing the saxophone. I stood there for 15 minutes, and he never opened his eyes. After that, I liked Jasmine. Sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. It is as if they are showing you the way. And I just feel like, man, as the church, I feel like if a world saw the church actually love the church, sometimes I think the church doesn't love the church. I feel like, I feel like if the world saw how much we truly love Jesus, and how much we gave our lives for the church, universal and local, that they couldn't help but love Jesus. They couldn't help but love the church. And the church would grow like wildfire if they could only see how much we loved the church. Can you imagine the cultural shift on a global scale if the world saw us love the church in such a way that they were deeply drawn to love it too? And so we're gonna, I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to have just a time of prayer. And I think it's important. Because I feel like there's probably two types of people in here dealing with different things. One of which, some of you may have been the church and you've been off doing your own thing. You've been isolated. And you may be suffering. Well, here at the River Church, we want to suffer with you. We want to suffer with you. It's what the scripture says. And we genuinely want to walk through life with you. And Ryan said it earlier. He said, don't don't live this thing alone. Like We invite you in to be a part of our church, a part of the church, the body of Christ. And so if you're suffering, we want to suffer with you. So we're going to have a time of prayer. And we're going to have some some guys and girls in the uh, in the aisles over here. And we have them every Sunday, and they have lanyards. And this team, we put them together so that they can pray, and they want to pray with you. All right, so don't be afraid. I know that sometimes it's awkward having to pass somebody, but don't let what you're dealing with hinder you from actually having someone pray with you. We want to suffer with you. And we're going to have a time of prayer, and we, I'm going to want to invite you, to pray the other the other group is this maybe you're a part of the church um, but for the first time you've been given some some context and ways that you might want to be able to serve God and serve the body the church we've tried to make it easy for you here at the here at the river we have all kinds of ministries all kinds of opportunities and I don't doubt that in this room people have give God has given people specific visions and passions for different things all of us in here, if we went around and talked about who, what we were passionate about, everyone's passionate about something different. And we've tried to make it easy, and we want to encourage you to come and be a part of the body. That, Like I said, that's why our dream team serves. They believe that if Jesus gave his life for the church, we ought to give our life for the church, not out of obligation, not, out of, uh, not because we think we're going to earn heaven, not, not anything like that, but because we are so thankful for what God did in our lives that we want to give back to him. And so I want everyone to just bow your head and close your eyes. They're going to play a song, and if that's you and you need prayer, please see somebody with a lanyard. And if you're a person, you say, you know what, I've been kind of idle. I've been, I'm a part of the church, but I haven't been giving my life to the church. And this morning, you feel passionate about that. You have a communication card in your chair. And I want you to write your information on that card and where you might want to serve. And in what capacity? And I want you to put it in the offering plate when it comes by. And we want to contact you and we want to encourage you. We want you to come be a part of our body, the local body here, but a part of the church universal. So like I said, they're, they're going to play and we're going to pray. Let's pray.